0: skeptical about custom beauty honestly y'all I totally get it my feed is flooded with customized this and personalized that all promising you know to fix all of our beauty hair and skin problems truthfully I was so skeptical when I saw this brand but I'm a total believer now when pro says custom they actually mean it their products are no gimmicks and your formula couldn't exist without you they asked like
1: Yeah.
0: and 50% off your one of a kind formulas. Pros.com slash just break up.
1: Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.
0: I'm in a period of emotional people.
1: There's saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going?
0: I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet.
1: Little Way rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Termount Plus.
0: Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMulder.
1: And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like fear of professional retaliation. hmm when your stepchild has a crush on you, <laughs> and avoiding the big O. Ooh. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health therapists or relationship people. We're no. just uh, two random people who are love to hear themselves talk.
0: Yes, Gemini's, no less. And yes, I know that Geminized. means at least really 80% of you hate us now. <laughs> <laughs> um. This is all to say, uh, please take our advice as you see fit. We're only here to offer our humble musings, so hopefully shed some laughs and uh, what? What is the line? You know, do all the things. <laughs> hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. See, obviously not professionals. We forget our lines constantly that we say every week for the past two and a half years. <laughs>
1: No, absolutely. We also have a script that we could read from and we choose not to. Oh, yeah, so. No,
0: th- definitely. Like, this is a ch- an active choice that we have made not to do this. Anyway, uh, the audacity of us to choose not to better our life quality, <laughs> our show quality too. Okay, so before we get into our check-in topic, I just want to remind people that this is the week. This is the week of Valentine's Day and therefore the week of our upcoming virtual live show happening on Saturday February 13th at 6 p.m central 7 p.m Eastern get your tickets right now at justbreakuppod.com also we have a correlating merchandise sale it's 20% off all of the t-shirts on our website some super cute goodies there if you want to check it out and uh, so it's 20% off all t-shirts and we released a brand new crop top it's long sleeve it's hooded it's lightweight. It's got, like, a red flag over the breast pocket. It's hella cute. Check it out at JustBreakupPod.com, which is also where you can get your tickets to our live show happening this Saturday. Bam. I covered it all, Sam.
1: You did all the things. You did all the housekeeping I, like, things. said it really so fast, fast. Like,
0: like a radio person does, you know?
1: Like a yeah, no, sure. Uh, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Prices and variations may... What whatever they say. Right. <laughs> also not professional radio people. <laughs>
1: no seriously
0: uh okay so what's our check-in topic
1: okay our check-in topic is um inspired by multiple letters um there's like this theme that keeps coming up in letters and uh, honestly i was reading letters this morning and i was like oh my god why is this a thing that we do because Mm -hmm. i'm also guilty of it okay which is that like we have people in our lives who are like sort of toxic or like we've been maybe in a relationship with them and it like didn't work um for like whatever reason and then we continue to like go back to them for like consistent casual sex and like the excuse that that I've always used is like well it's nice to have like a friends with benefits or like someone to have casual sex with Mm. as if there aren't like millions of people in the world who I could find to like have (laughs) casual sex with
0: wow Sam feeling pretty good about yourself (laughs) (laughs) I mean let me tell you well you're Uh, What you're saying is, you know, as though they are our only option.
1: Right. When like The ex that treated you poorly and
0: never called you back.
1: (laughs) Right. And who, like, continues to kind of treat you poorly. Like, I had a consistent, like, person that I had sex with who was just, like, I hated him. Like, I did not like him. (laughs) But I was like, well... uh." i don't want to have to find someone else to have sex with so i guess i'll stick with this person
0: it's like how Um, we choose not to read off of our script (laughs) it's like a choice that is actively hurting us
1: (laughs) (laughs) and i just wondered if like i wondered if you related to that at all and like would just wanted to like muse a little bit about like why we do this to ourselves
0: yeah well i think um, i i do relate to it i don't do um or i haven't done friends with benefits very well i always end up like dating them <laughs> and then <laughs> and then like being dumped or ghosting them or some horrible thing um mm-hmm. so i don't have a shared life experience but i i think i see the trend that you're talking about um played out in so many different ways whether it's with friends with benefits or the person who's keeping us on the side for so long mm-hmm. or yep The worst in my experience, like the unrequited love or like the the relationship that could be but never was like the person who um, I'm thinking about my unrequited love crush when I was younger um, and, you know, me and him we said we were going to be that we were soulmates and we were meant to be together, but we could never be together in the five years that we called each other soulmates. Right. (laughs) Like that type of, you know, like holding out um, or getting what you can, I guess is, would you agree with that summation?
1: Mm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like getting what you can out of that person.
0: I think it comes down to, I I don't know in that. I want to ask you a question before I like muse when you were, when you had this friends of, benefits experience um with the person that you quote hated (laughs) did you um (laughs) did you secretly wish it was something else or was it no or like the 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 truest part of yourself were you trying to prove something to yourself
1: well i mean i think that that's the question right like I think the truest part of myself was trying to prove to me that like I deserved this type of Mm. meanness from this person,
0: Mm -hmm. right? Like that I
1: couldn't, I couldn't ask for anything more. I couldn't find anything better. Um, and I think that there's like, at least for me thinking about like the, the people that I've had sort of friends with benefits relationships with who were really like not good for me and who like, I honestly, frankly didn't really like that much.
0: Right.
1: Um, like there's like sort of an act like, of like self punishment that course. goes along with it. That's like, I don't deserve any better, anything better than this, right? And and it's not that active of a thought. It's just sort of like that's the behavior that I that I exhibited and like wow, that like using using sex with these people as like a form of like self punishment uh,
0: or self harm. Absolutely, I, I really... Yeah tenfold to that. And I especially love and want to highlight the word you did that it used that it wasn't particularly active. And and I think that's really important to point out, because I think about all the letters that we get about people who are saying like, oh, so I've been in this entanglement or this situation with this person for four years. And honestly, like he I hate him. And and like 90 percent of the time, he's awful. And the 10 percent of the time, he's great. I, there's like that passive part of you that's saying, yep, I deserve the 90%. That's awful. Right. And that it's, it's not holding Mm -hmm. out for the 10%. It's saying this 90% is good enough. We often say like, you can't like cash in on potential or, you know, you can't hold out for somebody to be the person you deserve. But I think what you're, what you're calling out and what we're trying to talk about now is the idea that you know, even when you feel like you're holding out for something better, you're actively accepting th- what is what is happening, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm not sure if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and how much sadder is it if you're not even holding out for something better? Oh
0: my God, yes. <laughs> Which
1: is like the situations that I was in was like, mm-hmm. I don't want to date these people and yet I'll keep subjecting myself to... Um, like, I wouldn't say that they were... Some of them were being... Uh, but, like, just, like, being around people that I didn't particularly like, that didn't share my worldview, that, like, said right. things that I found really offensive or, like, whatever. Right. Um, but just, like, the little bit of validation that I got from them, from the sex that we were having, like, made it all worth it, I guess. Right. like Like, was, was so addictive to me that I was willing to sort of, like, put myself in, like, knowingly in harm's way to, like, prove to this person who was mean to me that they that they secretly liked me or that they like secretly wanted to have sex with me and validate me. Right. And like, it was just like, that's what I thought I deserved, I guess was Mm. like this, um, this like horrible situation. And it's, it's interesting to me because like I read the letters and like, you know, me sitting as an objective third party observer, I'm like, what the fuck? Like this person is horrible to you. Like, why are you doing this? But I, it, you know, reading the letters this morning, like, just like flooded me with these like memories of being in that exact same mm. situation of like having sex with this person that I didn't like, that my friends didn't like, and yet would still like every like weekend or every couple of weeks would be like, hey, what's up? Let's get together and like get drunk and watch movies and like have mediocre sex.
0: Yeah. Okay. So the like, sex was mediocre. And remembering too. like it felt like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cause I, I wanted to clarify and I wanted to make sure that I clarified like, uh, in, in like a kind and, uh, not problematic way. I wanted to be like, well, what was pulling you there? You know, cause sometimes like, you know, good sex can like really fuck up our decision making skills, <laughs> mm-hmm. but that it, that it was mediocre and that you knew you didn't like this person. It, I a hundred percent think that sex uh, and I, even like rom- romantic entanglements can be manifested as a form of self harm or self punishment. Um, right. Right. Also, because I wonder, I wonder how it's not our instinct as humans to like sit in the quiet of ourselves. To, it's mm. not our instincts as humans to be like, I am enough. I'm going to stay home this Saturday night or I'm not going to respond to this person who I actively dislike. You know, <laughs> we really yeah. we do a lot to maintain the chaotic chatter that distracts us from our own true selves. You know, our our. Sure. Our, our inner peace or lack thereof. Um, so I'm wondering, too, what at that time of your life were you distracting yourself from? Because I don't think because I want to rem- I think what I'm trying to say is not punishment o- doesn't always come in the form of harm, right? Active harm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Punishment can also come in the form of like not listening to yourself or smothering your instincts.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's a great question that I wish that I had been asking when I was in that situation. Um, but like, even now I don't know that I can name yeah. what it was that I was running from, but I, I think it's probably vulnerability and being alone and what, what my being alone meant about myself. Um, right. and I often like, you know, we've talked about this, but but for a long period in my 20s, like, sex was definitely a form of self-punishment for mm-hmm. me or, like, a mm-hmm. form of self-harm. And I was definitely putting myself into situations where, like, what I was looking for in sexual partners was for them to be, like, demeaning to me in some of way. Course. Or, like, to, to like, use my body in a way that, like, didn't acknowledge me as a human being. Right. Um, and, like, it's interesting to think back on that and be like in that situation I didn't know anything better like I thought that's like just what I wanted and like what what I was looking for in a sexual partner right um and it's interesting to me to sort of step back and like look at it for you know years later and still be like I don't know what I was looking for yes, <laughs> like, exactly. I, don't yeah. know, I don't know why I behaved in that way or why I sought that out um so mm. yeah just a a moment of like camaraderie with with our friends who might be in situations like this to say like i don't know that it ever will make sense but it did take me having to be like i know i don't deserve this i need to find something else that's going to serve me better yeah um and that's a really challenging thing to do when your brain is like for no reason whatsoever is like this is what i deserve this is what i want
0: yeah i and i think you know if we zoom out and like talk to those letter writers, I I think the only Mm -hmm. piece of advice that I could say following this conversation is just like, you know, take a moment and see if you can listen to your intuition. Like, and what is it, what is it telling you and see if Mm -hmm. you can in just small actions, you know, in small actions, whether it be don't respond to that text, make yourself a, a good dinner, um, you know, uh, don't go out tonight, or like go out with a different person, or whatever it is. Um, see if you can listen to that inner voice, or like, um, n- uh, nurture that inner voice a little. Like when we talk about mm-hmm. self care, I always like roll my eyes at the idea of like taking a bubble bath. Don't get me wrong, I fucking love bubble baths, um, but like, <laughs> I-, I guess my question I would pose to those listeners and to Sam circa 2011 or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. is like, what small act of nurturing can you do for your inner voice right now? Whether that be mm. take a bath in silence and think, what makes me feel good? How can I foster that? Or feeding yourself some good food or, or choosing not to go out with people and to sit in that discomfort, you know, sit in that aloneness. And, and what does it make you feel? how can you what small act of nurturing can you do to to try to coax that inner compass or that inner voice out just a little um and it's hard no, i mean i think our, real. i think our coping mechanisms you know we get so many letters where people are like oh, i betrayed myself and i i dated this person for so many years or i betrayed myself and i i coped in these ways or or you know i i had sex with people i didn't want to have sex with or whatever I think that you would agree in saying like, you know, sometimes we, sometimes we work through things in the wildest ways, in in ways that we (laughs) could never explain why the hell we did that. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And so if you're, if you're in Sam's position, if you're looking back on your behavior and thinking like, wow, like I can't even point to why I did that, but I know I didn't like it. Um, Be easy, like take a breath, like know that, Um, we do unexplainable things sometimes, right. In, in, Mm -hmm. in, in seeking comfort or affirmation or distraction or whatever it is, we're capable of some pretty wild things, but we can always like come back to ourselves or recommit to that inner voice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of those things that teaches me that like, there's so much left to unpack there's so much more to learn about myself um and yeah it's just it was one of those situations where I was struck with with how much I don't actually know about myself still like how much I still don't understand about the things that I did and why I did them listen
0: I know Um, you're only two years younger than me but like buckle the fuck up because that's (laughs) literally all my 30s have been is like I know nothing (laughs)
1: Literally. My um, therapy in the past like six weeks has been like the most intense therapy of my life. And wow. I'm like, I thought I thought I was done with this. Yes, I thought it was totally. just like like we were at a point where we were just going to like reaffirm the things that we've learned. <laughs> but like suddenly it's like, no, there's a whole new layer of stuff yeah. that I didn't know about myself that yeah. my therapist. Yeah. It, I like and- leave those sessions and I'm like just so impressed sometimes i'm like so embarrassed at how like little i know about myself
0: (laughs) no well i think that's i think that's literally everyone and i (laughs) I literally have been cackling lately we should move on to the letters because we've been talking for like 80 years but i've been cackling at my memories of being a teenager like i literally thought i fucking knew better <laughs> like i thought i knew more than like m- you know my parents or whatever <laughs> like uh-huh. and it's not yep. it's not flipping the script i'm not saying that young people don't know anything i actually believe wildly differently you know but mm-hmm. it's it's that our parents didn't know anything either you know like that that none of <laughs> yeah. it. like there's no higher like that we're that only the only thing time can do it is give us experience and um, the opportunity to unpack the the fact that we didn't know what we were doing last year, last week, la- you know, yesterday or whatever. Um, uh-huh. yep. And me as a teenager, I'm like, oh, my God, dad, you're so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Meanwhile, like I just <laughs> like buckle up, girl. That's all I had to say to me at 16. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's going to be a wild ride.
0: Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I love that check in topic. Thank you so much for sharing that.
1: Absolutely. All right. You want to get into our letters?
0: I'm, I'm literally buckled up. I'm strapped in, ready to go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So this is from caught between who's writing from Boston. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I hope you both have enjoyed a well-deserved holiday break with your loved ones. Your podcast has been my go-to over the last couple of years as I do my best to navigate some challenging relationships and work on bettering myself. I struggle to express with words how meaningful and impactful your podcast has been. It has helped me make the difficult choice to leave my first girlfriend, who is incredibly toxic, feel comfortable figuring out my sexuality in young adulthood, and soothe my worried mind when I can't fall asleep. Today I'm writing in about something that is weighing heavily on me. I'm at a complete loss for what to do. I just left my former company for a new job, mostly because it was male-dominated, and I was being constantly harassed by coworkers and supervisors. Just before I left I, be- left, I became close with one of my supervisors, who was the only person at the company I considered a trusted mentor, who had really had my back. We had many long conversations about my decision to leave, and he supported me. In those conversations, we often ended up talking about life and personal things as well, during one of our talks, I stupidly shared with him that I am in love with one of my coworkers who my boss also supervises and had been for a while. The coworker and I tried to have a relationship for a while, but he was struggling with his mental health and prioritized working through that. While I was talking to my boss about it, I explained how guilty I felt for dating a coworker since I was the only woman at the company and I didn't want to earn a reputation. My boss assured me that he it was totally fine to fall for someone I worked with and that he was sorry it didn't work out. We continued having long talks and growing closer until I left the company. Just after I left, my boss reached out and shared that despite the fact that he is married with children, he is in love with me. Oh, my God. He per- <laughs> he proceeded to freak out that I don't feel the same way about him and has been sh- sending me tons of messages about how much I've hurt him. This is troubling in and of itself. But what I'm really struggling with is now the former coworker who I love has worked through some of his stuff and feels ready to pursue a relationship. I want to see how things go with him, but I'm terrified if my former boss finds out we are together that he will retaliate against the coworker. My coworker doesn't know about my boss, and I don't want to tell him because it will ruin their relationship and that is a critical piece of my coworker's career. How can I possibly proceed? I want to freely date my former coworker without risking that my former boss will harm his career, but while also protecting the coworker from knowing that any of this is going on. I just don't know what to do. Any advice at all that you can provide would be a comfort. Even just knowing you might have read this and now know about this messed up situation is a help. (laughs) I love and cherish you both. Thank you.
0: Oh, caught between. Thank you so much for writing. We love and cherish you too. Thanks for all your sweet words and for writing into us about this fucking hella pickle that you're in. Um, Mm I, I, We've never read a letter like this (laughs) You know Like we've never gotten a letter like this Um, So I just want to like Affirm you in saying that this is like A very unique situation But also I'm sure that there are listeners who have Experienced it because Hashtag Fucking men Hashtag work (laughs) Fucking hashtag hashtag Fuck this shit um, uh-huh. yep. sorry, that's, uh, I know hashtag not all men, but like hashtag I roll. Um, I, I, I just want to like sympathize with you for a moment about being, um, a woman in a male dominated, not just field, but like space, like office. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I remember when I was younger, before I understood what like autonomy and what, and what my, like identity as a woman was going to manifest in my life as, and I don't know, fucking like rape culture, <laughs> you know, like before I mm-hmm. understood that being really young and being in male dominated spaces, like work, workspaces, I truly felt this extreme pressure to, to, to fulfill a, like a tokenized idea of what a woman was in that space. Because when mm-hmm. I was the only woman, it was like, I was the one that was hit on the most. I was asked out. I was, you know, whatever, um, I had a role to play essentially. That's what it felt like. Um, so I just mm-hmm. want to like sympathize that like, it's unfortunate that, um, that gender sometimes manifests in w- ways that we have to, I don't know, like code switch in spaces. And, and it's unfortunate that you have to, you had to even think about any of this. Um, Yeah. That all being said, like, fuck this supervisor, dude. Like, I, I'm going to, like, give myself a blanket. Like, I know that he, that he's on his journey. He's not a bad person. Um, that obviously he's experiencing things that are very ch- that are challenging him. And that's my caveat. And now I get to say, like, this person was your trusted mentor supervisor. This is a position of power he shouldn't be doing this to you and he's married. So he's obviously spiraling and acting out on you. Like the messages that he's sending you that, that makes me feel so icky. Um, It doesn't matter how close you got in these talks. This is an inappropriate work and personal relationship on his part, not yours.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, Want to just say that I'm really sorry that this is happening to you, especially because, you know, this was a person that you thought that you could trust, that you confided in, that was a mentor to you. And, um, you know, I think that there's there's something to be said for, you know, people can't always control their feelings. Right. But people can control how they respond to those <laughs> feelings. Right. Like, yeah, no, their actions for sure. And the, what he's doing to you in sending these harassing messages and um, not being okay with the answer that you gave him, which was no is really uh, not even problematic. Like that word doesn't go far enough. Like it's, Mm. it's deeply inappropriate that he's doing this to you. You didn't do anything to deserve this. You didn't ask for this in any way. Um, You were just showing up and making connection with a person. uh, And, and now he is exploiting the things that you told him and the ways in which you confided in him to, to frankly cause you harm and to 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 hurt you in in ways that are reflective of how of a, who he is as a person, but not who you are as a person.
0: Yeah. I think about what you just said too. Is that like we can't we can't control our emotion, like we can't the age old like you can't control who you love sort of thing. Um, and I agree with you, um, and I, and I'm glad you you said that. I'm not disagreeing with you. Adding to that, mm-hmm. though, this happens so often with people in positions of power or authority yeah like what i wonder what he would justify saying to you if he knew that like his boss was watching you know like it's Mm. it's what these people do in positions of power in the dark in you know in closeted situations and things like that that really overstepped the lines because he thinks well i don't know what he thinks honestly if he what If he wrote into this podcast and was like, I'm in love with my old employee or whatever, um, but I'm married, I would be like, go to therapy, get, (laughs) have a separation with your wife and stop contacting this person because she said no. um, And because you need to put time and space between you and her and the, and the relationship that you had in order to have a new one ever in the future. You know, I'm not trying to say that this person's like an evil, evil person, but There's a lot of red flags happening in here. And I I particularly am worked up because the extra emotional labor and stress that this is putting on you as a young professional, um, as a woman in the workplace, like this is just, this is something that irks me so much because of my own lived experiences um, in the workplace um, and, and in like power dynamics like this, it's just It's not okay, And I don't Mm -hmm. think that he should get off free for this. Like, I think that there should be consequences. And I don't mean in like a in an extreme cancel culture way, but like this is this is arguably deeply inappropriate, as Sam said.
1: Absolutely. And I want to talk a little bit about what Sierra just mentioned around like emotional labor that that you are currently doing on behalf of your boyfriend, which I think, you know, is great and I appreciate and also on behalf of this man uh, which I want you to this like grown sort of man take, I could add <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes which I want you to sort of take stock of and and like really look at for what it is um you know by I appreciate that you don't want to tell your current boyfriend this coworker that you're dating with because you don't you know you don't want to jeopardize that relationship and you don't want him to feel like the person that he um is that's being a mentor to him like you don't want to you don't want to fuck that up. And I and I appreciate that so much, but what I want to say to you is that you aren't fucking anything up right now. Like you are not the person <clears throat> who needs to be covering for this grown man who's harassing you, right? Like you don't need to be the one to make it easier for him to do what he's doing. And so I appreciate that you don't want to tell your boyfriend because you don't want to fuck up their relationship, but I think it's important for you to talk to your boyfriend about it so that your boyfriend can make informed decisions about how he wants to interact with this man. Mm. Right. I it's totally not agree. up to you. Yeah. It's not up to you to do all of the emotional labor in the situation. It is not up to you to take that burden on yourself. You can for sure, as you have been doing. And that's absolutely an option if you want to continue doing that. But I think that you can offload some of this onto the people who are actually involved in the situation. Yes. I know that if this were happening to someone that I loved where I was dating someone and my boss was acting really poorly to them, I would wanna know so that I can figure out how to navigate my relationship with that that boss in a way that protects myself, in a way that protects the person that I'm dating, and in a way that puts up appropriate boundaries between me and this person.
0: Yeah. Right? Thinking, I, I
1: know that he's important to the career, but there's ways that your boyfriend can navigate the fact that this man is important to his career while also knowing that he needs to be guarded and needs to be concerned about you while he's also in relationship with him.
0: Well, yeah, I feel like there's a lot this this overstepping of professional and personal boundaries is is making me wary of retaliation on the boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. And that retaliation cannot be avoided or or prevented if the boyfriend doesn't know it's going to happen, you know? I and For sure. I want to echo Sam. We know this puts you in a wildly uncomfortable position, but I just want to say again, you didn't put yourself here this grown ass man who was your trusted mentor put you here because he could not decide what healthy boundaries were in the workplace slash out of the workplace.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I would also encourage you to tell your boyfriend so that he can prepare himself for what he needs to do. If the situation gets out of hand professionally too, right? Like if your boyfriend knows that, that, that his boss is treating you in this way and might retaliate against him, You know, he can save emails, he can, you know, record phone conversations if he needs to, right? Like there are ways that he can, can protect himself in the situation if he knows that the situation is happening. Right. And I would encourage you to, to spend less time caring about the interpersonal relationship between your boyfriend and your, your former boss and spent and, and, and make sure that you are also taking into account like the professional ramifications of this situation on your boyfriend and the reality that he could be retaliated against and would need to be able to 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 find evidence to back that up if he ever wants to like report this in any way
0: yeah and finally from me for you uh the, the next step too is y- you should have absolutely no contact with this person if if, if you if that is not already a part of this approach, I guess, um, like the messages that he's sending you, he should not be able to send you these things. He should be blocked from your mm-hmm. email, blocked from your phone, and I don't care. Tell tell that grown man that you're going to block him, so that he knows that he he he, he cannot exert his control and or power over you anymore. Or of course, do mm-hmm. do the cold block where you, or not cold block the silent block <laughs> where you just mm-hmm. block him and not let him know. But like, um. I'm super wary of this person. I, I I don't know what these... What you have described as, like, personal slash professional conversations look like. But I, I... The acting out that I'm seeing um, makes me hella uncomfortable. And, like, the one way to put a pin in it is to no longer give him any access to you and to have transparency. Like um what's the chicks line like you're only as sick as your secrets so like Mm -hmm. this is not your fault this is not even your problem i i i'm wary Mm -hmm. to say that but like if you think about it like this is he's putting his problems on you so they're not yours unfortunately you have to deal with them you know, you have to, you have to respond accordingly, but this is his bed and he can lay in it and you can just literally like shut and lock the door, block it, never return to that room ever again. Empower your boyfriend so that he knows how to react accordingly, but like wash your hands of this person. Like this person doesn't have to touch your life anymore. All right, caught between. We're so sorry you're in this situation, but we hope this helps. Um, we hope that you feel empowered to tell your boyfriend and to and to make some smart choices for your life and your happiness and your safety. We love you so much. Thanks for writing.
1: Thank you so much.
0: You, too, can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high-quality items priced within reach.
1: That's right. They have... 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 gold jewelry. And the best part? All Quince items are priced 50-80% to less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us.
0: And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric
1: use the middle person. Just get rocket money in there to help you do what you need to do.
0: Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com/justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com/justbreakup. rocketmoney.com/justbreakup. Alright, this next letter comes from Callie Jane who is writing to us from Arizona. Sam and Sierra, I have been seeing my partner for two years now, and we get along great. This relationship is such a relief after some previously abusive situations that really took a toll on my self-worth. But not anymore. I'm a really great person, and after much hard work, introspection, and self-forgiveness, I can finally be kind enough to myself to acknowledge that. Go me. I fucking love that. I think you're awesome, too. (laughs) Anyway, back to this dude and our relationship. He had children very young in a previous marriage and they are teenagers now. Betty is 17 and Casey is 15. Not long after we started dating, his oldest came out as gay. Even though I had not met his kids at this point, he talked to me very openly about his thoughts and feelings pertaining to this as they were unfolding in his mind. I appreciated his emotional vulnerability and it also was reassuring to me that he was completely supportive of his daughter being gay. Fast forward a year and I meet his kids in person. We got along very well. They are conscientious, considerate, loving, patient, funny teenagers, all around truly great kids. So what's the issue here? After a few months, Betty admitted to Casey that she has a crush on me. And then after some soul searching and anguish, Casey in turn told us about his sister's feelings. I have no reason to doubt him, but there are also signs that confirms what he is saying. I got her a pair of inexpensive earrings at the end of last school year, and she wears them every day. She cut my signature out of her birthday card and put it in her scrapbook. Now that it's cold, she smells all the scarves on the coat rack to find out which ones are mine and then asks to borrow that one for the day. Don't get me wrong. I love that she is so accepting of me being the new person in their lives. In fact, both of the kids are and I feel really honored and honestly straight up lucky to ha- to have that be the case. Betty has never done or said anything suggestive or inappropriate towards me and I don't think she will. We met during the stupid hell that is COVID, so I've never even hugged either of them, although I would like to. I'm big on affection and emotional support and really look forward to the time we cannot not be so isolationist with our personal space. Betty is about to graduate high school and will likely be coming to stay with us full time after she does. So my question is, how do we navigate this situation of my partner's daughter having romantic feelings about me? Do we just ignore it and wait for her feelings to change? Do we continue to remain physically distant even after she is a part of our household and COVID is over? Is this something we should have an open discussion about with her? I don't want to make her feel shamed about her emotions or like she is doing something wrong. I guess has she done something wrong? I was fairly asexual as a teenager, so it's hard for me to relate to crushes and puppy love. I just don't want this to be a problem in the future because they are all important parts of my life. And I want everyone to know that they are happy, loved and accepted. Hmm. Thank you so much for writing Callie Jane. What a particularly tricky situation you have yourself in.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I guess I just wanted to say, first off, is that, like, I just really appreciate you being so conscientious about this. Yes, um, me too. And, like, being so um, compassionate to, like, the reality that Betty is facing in this situation, as well as um, really interrogating, like, what does it mean to be a step-parent in in these kids' lives? And yeah. how do I find a way to, like love and affirm them while also, you know, maintaining appropriate boundaries um and and finding a way to navigate this space with them. Like I just think that that speaks really well of you. Um and I I'm just really struck by your maturity and in, in sort of moving through this question so considerately.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um and I also want to like give you a virtual COVID safe high five for your first paragraph in this letter about, you know, really rewarding yourself for the work that you've done. Um, you deserve to feel this um, confident and um, uh, you're doing the work. And, and Sam and I really love you for that. Um, I cannot say that I've ever heard of a comparable experience i mean i'm sure that they exist out there just not in my small realm of the the universe what about you sam
1: um not this specific situation yeah but i will say that there have been you know i know of teenagers like in my circle or like in my family Mm -hmm. who have crushes maybe like not on their stepmoms but on like adults who are in their lives.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
1: And like navigating that space of, okay, what does it mean to have a crush on an adult who's not ever going to reciprocate? Yeah. Um, and what does it mean for that adult to like make sure that the boundaries that are in place are appropriate, but like not shaming, right? right? So I I I think that this is like the first time I've heard about the situation in like a step, a potential step-parent situation. Yeah, totally. Um, but I also think it's probably honestly not that unique and i don't mean that to be like get over it like your problem's not that big of a problem but just to, like to normalize it for you yes like, i totally you know, agree teenagers young people <laughs> other people like adults also yeah, me like develop <laughs> yeah develop crushes on people um who aren't necessarily appropriate for them to to be with um right. like every that's, TV that's okay. that's character just like, i've ever seen <laughs> like honestly like me three days ago um <laughs> And like, it's okay to have those crushes and it's also okay to model, like, what does it look like to have a crush without acting on it?
0: Right, right. Um, I, I'm gonna, you know, here's a great moment in our podcast where Sam and I remind our listeners that like, we're not trained professionals. We're not family counselors. We didn't go to school for any of this. So um, if you have any insight, like, let us know. But I'm gonna go off of our instincts and they're, they're gonna kind of... Murray your instincts, Kelly Jane, which is like a um anti shame based approach of this. Um mm-hmm. because there's 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 nothing wrong with having a crush on somebody. Um mm. and like we know here at Just Break Up that you can't really stop having a crush on somebody who's not available to you. And especially when we think about queerness and queer discovery, um I remember Willow and I talked once about like the beginning of our queerness and how we both used words like liberated and playful and exploratory. Um, you know, not all queer identities begin with such liberation, but both my wife and I has felt like it was um, it was freeing to kind of like see what this could um turn into and in our personal experiences, again, this is not everybody, but in like me and my wife's experience, our um our like sexual preference, our 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 desirability or like excuse me, what we were attracted to was way more broad and, like, exploratory when we were younger because it it felt so fun and free to be like, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. You know, like, I want to date somebody who's um, non-binary or incredibly andro- androgynous or whatever. Like, we both found a lot of... um Freedom in sort of like exploring what desire could look like in our 19 year old bodies or whatever. Um, and mm-hmm. I share that not to say that your um, s- s- stepdaughter is doing that type of exploration with you, but I share it to say, you know, this young person is at the beginning of their queer. Um, identity and they're going to have a lot of exploration ahead of them. And you just happen to be like a road mark along the way. Um, My instinct is to not, is to like kind of go about life as usual, like maybe not not confront them about that at at this juncture Um, and just make sure that you're maintaining, like Sam said, that you're maintaining boundaries that mirror the behavior that you want to see from them um Mm -hmm. uh i always think that uh uh, like adults um or people in power should like the the guy in the last letter fucking should be mirroring the boundaries that they want um to see for young people or people um subordinates or whatever i'm trailing off will Mm -hmm. you pick up for me sam
1: (laughs) no i think that um that sierra's exactly right here is that like You are the adult in the situation, so it's important for you to maintain boundaries. But I don't know that they're not boundaries that you would already be maintaining. Yes. Right. Like and so far, you know, like wearing earrings that you gave her, cutting out your signature, like wanting to wear scarves that smell like you. Like none of that behavior strikes me as being in any way inappropriate. Right. Like you ask, is she doing something wrong? Like, no, she has a crush. She is, you know, acting on that crush in ways that I think are like not crossing any lines. Um, And, and so like continue, I think to, to be aware of this situation. Right. And, but also I hope that you can find a way to be able to establish like healthy, affectionate um, relationship with her. Um, Like, I know that this is like really going to, it's going to be hard to find the line here um, because, you know, I think it's important for you to, to, you know, love her the way that you would love a child because I don't want you to like make her feel ashamed of the Mm, fact that she mm -hmm. has a crush on you. Right. So I think like treat her the way that you would treat her brother at this point. And, and you know, when we get to the point where you can give them hugs, like feel free to do that. But I don't think at this point she's done anything that's inappropriate, but I will say that like, if anything does happen, that's like weird or inappropriate. um, I would encourage you to have a conversation with her that acknowledges the fact that she has a crush on you, but does not make her feel bad for it. Right. Right. And instead of saying, like, you need to stop having these feelings, instead say, here's where the behavior, here's where the line of appropriate behavior is. Um, and you didn't do anything wrong. Like, you're not a you're not a bad person because of this. But in the future, here's where we need to maintain this boundary. Yes. Um, but again, like, I don't think she's done anything wrong. It seems like you know, being, having been 17 years old and had crushes on adults who I was not supposed to have crushes on, like teachers and professors and all of that good stuff, right? Like it was just a crush, right? Like <laughs> yeah. as a 17 year old, like I didn't even know how to make a move towards a person. Right. So like, and then eventually, you know, got to the point where it was like, oh, this isn't really ever going to happen. Um, Even though I may daydream about it and I may want to like, y- you know, keep their sweater on or Um, you know, talk to them after school. Uh, There was just because the people in my life that I had those crushes on maintained a boundary of here's our relationship and here are the appropriate parameters, our behavior. I never even got the idea that there would be something that I could do beyond those things. Right. Um, It was just very apparent to me that it was like, No, I know I have a clear understanding from this person where the boundaries are. And so I know that there's no ability to act beyond them.
0: I agree completely. And I loved how you phrased all that. Um, And um, I have just like two more thoughts to extend that a little bit. Um, I agree with Sam that there's nothing... I, the cutting out of your signature I can feel collectively like I just break up listeners like raising their eyebrows at that you know like across the world um but if and and I and I raise my eyebrows at that a little bit too like okay all right all right but then I I heard Sam say I didn't even know how to make a move at 17 and I I'm reminded <laughs> that you know, especially when we're younger, all of this is very new to us and, and, um, and we would manifest our desires or our crushes or our lust in ways that made sense to us. And so cutting out your signature to me um, seems like how I used to write my boyfriend's initials in my notebooks Mm -hmm. all the time. Right. It seems like a Mm -hmm. manifestation of that crush in a way that makes a lot more sense when you put it in that context of, of, youth you know of crush you know and then also um kind of like closing out the comment i was making earlier about how um i felt when i was first exploring my queerness um that all fucking happened in college (laughs) let me tell you at a all women's (laughs) private college (laughs) and um (laughs) and this is all to say like i think that this is just another part of her of her life of her self-discovery and that, like you said, soon she's going to graduate high school and potentially go to college or go into the workforce or or whatever path or choice that she goes on and she's going to meet people other people that stimulate something else in her or, or draw out another crush or something like that. Um, I, this is all to say in one way or another, I think that if you stay on your path, like you said, uh, like Sam said, maintain those healthy boundaries, be explicit when you need to be explicit about what those boundaries are. But until then um, communicate with your actions, I think it's going to blow over, honestly.
1: Hmm. Yeah. No. I definitely agree. Um. That this feels to me like um. Like a crush that is uh gonna blow over too. Right. Because and here's the thing about it is that because you are not going to feed it. Right. Because you are going to yes. maintain boundaries that say like this is the established limit of our relationship. I am your potential mother figure or um. Not necessarily a mother figure, Parental. but like an adult in your life, right? Mm-hmm. And like this is the limitations of our of our intimacy. Like if she's not being fed in oh, the, in that way, right? Like if she's not getting what she needs out of it, she's going to find other places to put that, that affection and that attention mm-hmm. um, that are actually going to feed it, right? Because it's so much more exciting to be to have a crush on someone who is like giving you things about it, like giving yeah. you affection or like, or at least like giving you the illusion that things can go further. Yeah. Um, And I, you know, the crushes that I had on people when I was a kid that on people that were like not appropriate fizzled out because it was like, okay, well like, I'm not going to see that person ever. Like I'm like, I'm, there's no potential here. And I would so much rather like get my brain chemicals fired by someone who is like there (laughs) and I can like touch their body and like, they want to like kiss my mouth, like
0: kiss my that mouth. That was there's
1: yeah, there was like so much more energy and excitement in those situations, and I'm sure that like once she goes to college and experiences and meets other like queer people who wants to put their mouths on her mouth, it'll be much more exciting for her to find energy there.
0: Yeah. And I want to say too, like I know that there's, I'm sure that there are people out there and probably like trained professionals that will be like, no, the right choice is to tell her, is to have a conversation about it. Um, Sure. And and I respect that and I'm interested in learning more. Um, But in this moment, I'm thinking about being that 17 year old with a queer crush on somebody, on an adult that is, inappropriate or like you know not accessible to me um and two thoughts really quickly one when I was younger I don't think I could discern the difference between a crust a crush an infatuation and an interest let's see if I can butcher all three of those words (laughs) a crush (laughs) an infatuation and a general like interest like or respect you know Mm -hmm. I remember like meeting you know oh my God, the first like butch lesbian I ever met, I was like, oh my God, who are you? And what is this? You know, um, Mm -hmm. what is this manifestation of life? And it wasn't that I had a crush on them. I was just in awe and in great interest of who they were. It was new and exciting to me. And also like to the idea of like not telling this person, looking back at little tiny queer Sierra, I would have been mortified, mortified, (laughs) truly, you know, like my mother read my diary once and I was like traumatized for years, you know? Um, Oh my God,
1: I'm traumatized just hearing that. I will tell you the story when
0: we get offline. (laughs) Um, I was mortified. I would be mortified if somebody called me out on that Um, crush that you know like if if you're if you had a crush on your teacher and somehow like your mom read your diary and found out and then told your teacher and your teacher had to like have a sit down conversation with you uh, you transfer schools right like you would (laughs) literally Um, and I'm not saying that to like just save children from or young people from embarrassment where we can't not be embarrassed but I just don't think this is a situation it has not gotten to the point yet of having that um Honest conversation yet, for sure. And it's kind of like no. on on the adults, right? Like the due diligence of the adults is the this, to behave accordingly and to reinforce your boundaries. You know.
1: Yes. Yep. I think that that is exactly what I would say. Is that like it's your job as the adult in the situation to to understand where the boundaries need to be and to do the adult thing and and reinforce those, um, either you know gently as we all do, or explicitly if, if there's sort of an egregious overstep of those boundaries. But at this point, like, I think just making sure that you are, um, treating her the way that you would treat, um, any sort of young person in your life, um, is exactly what you need to be doing with that mind of being especially open to, or like cognizant of any sort of oversteps of those boundaries.
0: Yeah, I totally agree.
1: I think that you can have a really meaningful relationship with her. I think that, um, given time, this will be much easier. Um, and just know that that you have it in you to do this in an appropriate way, and you'll figure that out with your with your current partner and also with her.
0: Yes, I agree. Thank you so much for writing. Um, we love you we absolutely fucking adore you <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> absolutely thank you so much for writing
0: this episode is brought to you by paramount plus get in loser mean girls is now streaming on paramount plus join katie Heron as she meets the plastics and tina faye's new twist on the modern classic get ready for more of the rumors backstabbing and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises rated pg-13 wear pink and head to paramountplus.com to try it free
1: All right. Our third and final letter comes from Touch Me Not, who is writing from Beyond the Couch. Hello to you, my dear friends, Sierra and Sam. Without taking up too much of your time telling you how much you both have helped me over the last year or so, I absolutely love and appreciate you guys. I value your input and present to you what is likely the greatest emotional hurdle I have right now in that I feel it is keeping me from being truly happy with myself. To preface this, I am a 24, as of March 19th, 2021, non-binary lesbian who came out a year ago. With this wonderful journey has come a lot of emotional growth and revelation, and I am lucky enough to have the privilege to truly grow into myself. To give some background, I got married young when I was around 19, and my marriage was brief and complicated. I had a tough family life that is far too extreme to get into here, and my ex was a good but arrogant person who I butt heads with often over what I saw as unflinching morals and he saw as ridiculous. He finally dumped me when he overheard a conversation I was having with a friend over the fact that I I thought I might be non-binary, and that was the deal-ricker with him. Oh, well. I was fortunate enough to have friends and loved ones who came together to build me up after that devastating blow and have since grieved and moved on. But now as I navigate this relationship with my current partner who is gender fluid and uses all pronouns, I love very dearly and in fact plan to marry one day. I have uncovered something I worry may be an issue later down the road in regards to our sex life. I have found that I absolutely abhor being touched sexually to the point that it moves me to tears or triggers what I can only call a trauma response. I shut down, get emotional or sick and freeze up. It was an issue with my previous relationship in that sex was more of a chore and an obligation than anything. But now with someone like my current partner, I want very desperately to be able to be intimate with them in a way that's comfortable for both of us. Like most people assigned female at birth, I was socialized to think that sex was an obligation, but now that I am lucky enough to be living my wonderfully queer life, I find myself at a loss. I am not sexually repulsed, nor am I asexual. I've experienced a lot of difference between things sexually speaking, but the fact has always remained, I am far more comfortable doing the touching than I am being touched or stimulated to the point that I did not even self-pleasure until I was about 22." People have told me that this is anything from just being a top to body image issues to sexual repression because of my socialization around sex. And I am frankly at a loss. So my question is to you, if you have any insight about it at all, is it normal to want to enjoy sex without wanting to climax or be touched sexually? Or is that something I have to overcome to have a healthy sex life? I don't want to come off as cold and that I don't trust my partner to touch me. However, even the idea of it has moved me to tears before my partner is understanding and we've communicated about it. But I also know that it bothers her thinking that I do not want to experience orgasms when I'm intimate with her. While I know I have the ability to regulate how and where I am touched, I have to fight the instinct to simply deal with it Mm. when the situation presents Mm. itself. And it is an emotionally draining thought that takes the joy out of things for me. If either of you have any advice, I would love to hear it. Thank you again, and happy New Year to all of us.
0: Oh, touch me not! Thank you so much for writing or for trusting us with this. Um, I'm so happy that you left that marriage and are further along the path of like becoming your true, authentic self. I'm so congratulations to you, and I'm also so sorry that you're experiencing this. Um, this trauma response, really, I mm. underlined the phrase emotionally draining um, in that last paragraph, just that it's emotionally draining to even to even think about um, having this type of touch um, or, or sexual experience. And I i think I underlined it because so often we I don't think we acknowledge as a culture the emotional labor that goes into sex and intimacy, Um, Mm. even sex and intimacy that we want, you know, Um, I've heard so many accounts of like happily married couples who, who have to, who have to engage in some sort of emotional labor to choose to be intimate together after being together for 10 years or whatever, not Mm -hmm. to mention, you know, or like switching to situations like this in which there has been some sort of um, not that there's been a trauma, but that, that that there's this response that you have to process emotionally even before you get to any physical level of it. Um, and I just mm-hmm. want to like hold space for that and and say that I, I'm sorry. Um, i sorry. I see you processing a lot right now and I see you putting out a lot of energy to try to you know quote diagnose this or deal with it or swallow Mm -hmm. it or accept it and i just know that you must be really tired um and i'm sorry
1: yeah that's that's so real and i i just want to say also that there is nothing wrong with you Mm -hmm. right there is nothing that is broken about you there is nothing that is um There's nothing wrong with you and the way that your body is responding to the, the, the trauma that you've been through or the, the understanding of yourself that you're coming into, um, you know, I think so often we, we sort of pathologize ourselves and our responses to things in a way that doesn't actually serve us well, right? Like it's, you know, when we spend so much time focusing on how we are, there's something wrong with us or we're not normal, um, it really impedes our ability to sort of identify what we want and how to move towards those mm. things that we want. Um, Cause if you spend all your time saying, wow, there's nothing, there's this huge thing wrong with me. I'm, a, I'm, I'm broken. There's, there's um, there's like a pain that has caused me to, to not be a normal person anymore. Quote unquote, normal person. Right. That's a lot of time and energy to put into feeling bad, right? That's a lot of time and energy put to put into, trying to cover or, um, or hide or try and fix this thing that's broken, Mm. but like, you're not broken. This is, this is the way that your body is responding to what you've been through. This is the way that your mind is responding. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and the way that your body and your mind have responded to this is, is what has gotten you to this point, right? It has served you in getting you to a point of being able to get out of this unhealthy relationship or to find out who you are, right? It is it is a survival mechanism that's helped you wow. find a way to get to today. I, and we can make the choice about like whether or not it's continuing to serve you, but but it the trauma response that you're having to this is maybe not serving you now, but it did serve you to get you to where you you are today.
0: I just had like um a super profound revelation while you were talking, when you said like how we tend to, you know, um, I forget the word used, but like pro- give ourselves a prognosis, you know, um, mm-hmm. we, mm-hmm. we imbue upon ourselves the, the incredibly impossible task of making ourselves perfect by doing the, you know, like doing quote unquote the work to, to, to solve the things that are wrong with us, you know? And I know that in this situation, touch me not. This part of you, this reaction, is is not enjoyable. It's a part of you you don't like. It's a part of you that stresses you out because of the pressures from your not you know not bad pressures, but from the expectations of partners and and the pressures of of society and all these things. So, so we know this isn't something that you love about yourself. But I I just had this like profound feeling in my body um, when I realized. Like, what if we shifted from look at this thing that's wrong with me to this is who I am. This Mm -hmm. is who I am. There's there's nothing wrong about it. This is just who I am. And instead of thinking, this is who I am and I need to fix it. Instead thinking, this is who I am. I radically accept this. What do I need right mm-hmm. if this is who you are and there's nothing wrong with who you are then what do you need what are these valid needs that you have like what do you need in intimacy moving forward what do you need from yep. your partner to make you feel safe or to help you process these things it goes from and it goes from a thought process of i'm so fucked up look at my broken response i'm going to mm-hmm. you know to, i'm going to cry just thinking about how broken i am to I accept who I am. This is who I am. There's nothing wrong with me. There's, there's, Sam is a hundred percent correct. There's nothing wrong with you. You might not, your reaction might not serve the life you want to have or the life you think you should have, but there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with you. And if we, if we erase the, the negative connotations of what we find challenging about ourselves and instead shift to a loving, nurturing, accepting response, the, the response it goes from being, how do I fix myself to what do I need? What are my needs? What are my human needs? What do, how can I nurture myself right now? How can my partner nurture me? How can I more radically accept myself? And what do I need for that radical acceptance?
1: Absolutely. Because you can go through your whole life and only have sex where you pleasure the other person, right? Like that's that is a possibility i know that like i want you to sort of get out of the the idea of like there's a right way to have sex in these situations right because like you know as long as you two are consenting and like nobody's like murdering anyone like if you want to if your partner is comfortable with you just always being the one to to pleasure them and and you sort of getting off on your own like that is perfectly acceptable way for two people to be in sexual intimacy together. Right. Right. As long as you're both consenting to it, as long as you are both comfortable with it, as long as it is both, it is fulfilling both of your needs. Like you could maintain this for forever. Right. So like you ask, is it normal to want to enjoy this? Like there, there is no normal. There is just us trying to figure out how to be in relationship with other people. So if that works for you and works for your partner, go for it. Like, and I think, Taking some of the burden off of yourself to find a way to be quote unquote normal or to find a way to to be quote unquote healthy in your sex life with your partner and instead focus more on what does what desires do I have? What do I want to work towards? What are the tools and resources I need to get me closer to those things that I want to work towards? Because and what I'm doing right now isn't bad, isn't wrong. It's not flawed. It's just different from what I want. And I can find a way to get closer to what I want if I work on these things. Right. Uh, because, yeah, because it it's a really hard burden that we put on ourselves to say, I'm not normal and I need to find a way to get normal.
0: And, and not because, only that, I, I'm sorry, I just want to jump on that really quickly. It's not only the quest to be uh, it, it, it's not only the quest of like calling yourself not normal and trying to become normal. It's try it's also the added pressure of finding that diagnosis, like in, mm-hmm. in the, you know, like, am I a top? Is it my body issues? Is it sexual repression? Like all of these things, um, it might not serve you right now to try to find exactly where this is coming from. What will serve mm-hmm. you most is that radical self-acceptance and really listening. What do I need? Just as Sam was saying, sorry, go ahead, Sam.
1: No, I, I appreciate that interruption. Um, And on that, that lane too, like, I do think that, that if you can afford it and if it's available to you working on a therapist about this, this, this goal that you have around sort of, finding a different way to have sex, um, or, or affirming the way that you are already having sex, um, that having a therapist would be, might be helpful for you. Um, because, you know, you've been through a lot of things in terms of your understanding of yourself sexually and, and what has been helpful for me in therapy is the realization that the, the trauma responses that I'm having are learned And that they are reflective of things that other people have taught me. Mm. Um, Because I think a lot of times this is at least true for me is like that internalization of that trauma is makes me feel like the response to it. Like I just need to change the response to it. When what really needs to change is the unlearning of the thing that taught me to have that response to going back and talking to myself, to the eight year old Sam who you know felt that if he you know said something wrong or or wasn't the smartest person in the room that like horrible things would happen, mm-hmm. right? And saying like you didn't teach yourself that these are the things that that you were taught. And so if you were looking at at young Sam, like what would you say to him and what would you give him that he didn't give right or that he didn't get? And I think that that might be true of you. If you can you know work with a therapist to identify those things that you might believe about yourself or believe about the world that were taught to you that are no longer serving you. Um, I think that can be one tool that you can get to either affirm the sex life that you're having and affirm the fact that like, this is what you you want to be doing or to begin to identify ways that you can move towards your goals by unlearning the things that have been taught to you.
0: Oh, beautiful, Sam. Um, and I love that Sam used the word girl, goals earlier and and i want to like jump on that and say you know like you say you're totally right you you write like most people assign female at birth i was socialized to think that sex was an obligation right that's Mm -hmm. just what sam's saying you were taught this you were taught this and now i think the biggest gift you can give yourself is space to do some unlearning time you know gentleness um I would I would encourage yourself to to whether with a therapist if possible um, or with yourself and your partner give yourself some small goals like and give yourself time time you have mm-hmm. if if we're lucky we have more time right you have more time to explore yourself you have time to explore your body your desires um, you know a goal I uh, the first goal that comes to mind is can you talk about This Can you talk about it out loud with a therapist or with your partner or like a trusted friend um, to a point where um, you don't feel overcome with emotions, you know, not not that it's not ever going to not be emotional, but like, how can you. How can you practice that empowering act of articulation to better understand that physical trigger, that physical response of anxiety? Um, Can you explore it with words and not touch? You know, can you just talk about it for three months with your partner and then see where that lands you? Um, You know, give yourself small goals. And again, the goal isn't about quote unquote fixing yourself. The goal is Mm -hmm. giving yourself new gifts or new time to explore or, um, a new approach or something like that.
1: Yes, absolutely. And so I think, I think what Sierra and I are getting at touch me not is that like you are not having sex in, in the wrong way and that you are allowed to have that sex in the way that you, you want to have that sex, you know, consensually with your partner and that i think focusing on some of the the root causes or like the the ways in which the the trauma is is coming up in your body um will actually serve you better to identify the kind of sex that you want to have and if you can sort of give yourself the grace to say you know there's nothing wrong with how i'm having sex here there's nothing wrong with how i'm showing up sexually with my partner it might help free up some more space for you to actually talk about the things that you might want to change, the things that you might need to unlearn, mm-hmm. um, and and might give you more of a, a more permission to like look upstream to to look at the things that that are that have affected you and the ways in which you may be manifesting that hurt in the way that you're you're performing sex. So, and I say that because it's really really difficult for us to. Um, to find ways to more deeply understand ourselves if we are struggling to forgive ourselves for the way that we're mm-hmm. showing up mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I totally right agree. the way
1: that our bodies are exercising a, a, a very normal response to trauma and that's like easier said than done like let me tell you
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> the past few weeks of therapy have been really intense for me so like I'm mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. feeling this quite a bit um but i i just want to like that if you take one thing away from this i want you to he- i want you to hear that like there's nothing wrong with the way that you're having sex you can yes. have sex like this for the rest of your life if you want to and also you have the opportunity in front of you to do things differently if you want it's going to be work and it's going to take you know time to to figure out all of the things that you're going through but if you if you reach 95 years old and die happily lovingly in your partner's arms and the only sex that you've ever had together is, is you pleasuring them without pleasuring yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. I that totally is agree. a-okay. I love that. That Sam. is, you can, you can live like this forever if you want to, but if you don't want to, there are tools and resources available for you to figure out how to move closer to your goals. But I just wanted to, I just wanted to say that because I just feel the anxiety around this in your letter. Um, and I don't want you to feel more anxious about the fact that you are anxious, which is something yes. that like, yeah. really anxious people do. Oh, my God. It's like, it oh, God, now I'm, I'm like even more of a prophecy. failure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so anxious about the fact that I'm feeling anxious. Um, like, it's OK. It's OK to be doing what you're doing. And it's OK to find to work on finding ways to do something differently.
0: I love that. I totally agree. Um, And we love you. We love you so much. Um, We are with you in this journey, wherever it takes you. And we hope that this brings you some insight and comfort.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. All right, everyone, that brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we set you up with something that we think you're really going to like. This week, we're going to send you home with.
0: It's an album made by our amazing producer, editor, manager, really good friend, a.k.a. (laughs) Big Cats, a.k.a. Spencer, um, the dude who made our theme song, who edits all of our episodes, who helps us run our shit here at Just Break Up. He's an amazing musician as well as an audio engineer, and he just put out a brand new album. He, like, snuck it into the world. And I just need to tell you, um, it's his best album yet i'm a huge fan of spencer as a artist but i think this is my favorite of all of his albums and literally one of the best things about it is the title and the concept of the album um if you listen the title is a movie about the end of the world comma set in 1990s las vegas (laughs) (laughs) and then each track is named you know like the first track is called title sequence The second track is called The Fourth of July with Aliens. And then there's like the timestamp in the movie that it would play. And it's That's just awesome. so clever um and I want to say uh if you haven't listened to Spencer's music before um he does like instrumental beats and if you are like me and you like like whenever I'm working I put on um YouTube like a lo-fi chill hop or chill beats um uh-huh. live stream music um if you liked that type of work to w- to that type of music to work to, or if you like to run to instrumentals or anything like that, check out his music. This is his best album yet. Again, it's by big cats, AKA our resident Spencer. And it is called a movie about the end of the world set in 1990s, 1990s Las Vegas. Vegas. You can find it on Spotify right now or iTunes. Amazing. It is amazing. Literally. (laughs)
1: All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Breakup Pod.
0: You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakupPod.com, which is also where you can find tickets to our February 13th Valentine's Day virtual live show and our merchandise, 20% off all t-shirts right now. Check it out at JustBreakupPod.com.
1: Please remember to follow us so that you can get our episodes every Monday exclusively on Spotify and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll receive an additional bonus weekly episode as well as access to our back catalog of over 100 episodes. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers, giving them relationship advice.
0: Original music, recording, editing, producing. All Magical Things by our good friend Big Cats, aka Spencer. Make sure to check out his new album and his podcast, the What If Podcast. And remember, you are not broken. You are not behind or abnormal or failing. You are not broken. You are just learning. You are doing this thing, this life, for the first time, just like everyone else. Your experiences and the lessons you've learned are important and valuable. And if you're lucky, you'll keep learning. You'll keep failing and trying and experiencing new things and new emotions for the rest of your life. That's our purpose here. But you are definitely not broken. And... If all else fails,
1: just break up.